years ago, doctors Paul Hersey and Ken Blanchard introduced the situational leadership model that has been the standard for managing individuals and teams all over the world. I'm Chester Elton, and this is my co-author and dear friend, Adrian Gostick. Well, thanks, Chess. Yeah, today we're going to talk with a champion of that model and dig into how providing the proper leadership style really does get people engaged and brings down their anxiety levels. And we're going to talk about what's new, what's changed with leadership in the last few years. As always, we hope the time you spend with us will help reduce the stigma of anxiety at work and in your personal life. And with us is our dear friend, Susie Bishop who is the Vice President of Product Development at the Center for Leadership Studies, an organization founded by Dr. Paul Hersey. CLS is the global home of the Situational Leadership Model and has trained more than, wait for it, 15 million leaders all over the world. So Susie, we are delighted to have you on the podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much. This is a lot of fun and I really appreciate you having me. Well, we're thrilled to have you, Susie. And for those who don't know the Center for Leadership Studies, maybe give us a quick background on the firm and and on the situational leadership elements that Hershey's research showed are fundamental to engaging individuals and teams, the reason that this model has been around for so long. Yeah, thank you. I'd love to. I'll probably start with the model first, given that the situational leadership model actually came before the organization. So Dr. Paul Hersey was a professor, and he was studying all these disparate theories like, how do we get this right? How do we create better leaders? Are they born? Are they made? Um, Do they need to be higher on relationship and supportive behaviors, or do we need really high task or directive behaviors? And he was trying to find the answer, and really what he found is it depends, or it's situational. And it's really the balance of those factors and giving people what they need when they need it. So depending on the situation or the task, leaders can assess an individual's or a team's performance readiness. So their ability or willingness, the behaviors that you see them exhibit around that task, and they need to apply a proper leadership style. And we all have our natural tendencies and the leadership style that we feel comfortable with but it's really about flexing and adapting into the different leadership styles to meet the follower or the performer um, for their needs. So it's really an other-centered model. It's about diagnosing the situation and adapting to give that individual what they need to be a better performer or to develop. And he used to facilitate that model on flip charts and would have a captivated audience And the company was kind of born from there because it became a training organization and more people wanted access to this model and wanted to learn this approach. And the learning technologies at the time were, how do we get this on, you know, a projector? How do we get this on a video? And he was traveling the world and sharing this model and That's where certification came from and train the trainers and how do we get our clients certified. And now the Center for Leadership Studies, we are 50 years strong and we not only have that foundational situational leadership curriculum, uh, we have a full curriculum of its four modalities, it's 30 languages, it's taught across the world. We can customize it, we can tailor it, we can do learning journeys, 
we're a full leadership development provider um, with executive coaching and anything that you might need. So uh, the situational leadership model was first, but then the Center for Leadership Studies. That's that's an amazing journey. As you're going through that, I'm I'm envisioning an overhead projector, you yeah. know. And it, <laughs> so, yeah. wow, that uh, 50 years ago, that was the latest technology, right? Yeah, that's how we were training situational leadership at the time. So a lot has changed. Yeah. Well, speaking of things that have changed, uh, let's talk about what's new in leadership. You know, uh, Adrian and I have been studying leadership for the last two decades, and yet now you're seeing a lot more anxiety and mental health issues. Um, talk to us about is uh, this thing about empathetic leadership. Is that becoming more of a focus for more uh, managers and leaders in their styles? It definitely is. We're seeing more on psychological safety and trust and how do we develop empathy within our leaders. Um, it's just become more of a topic in general. So we're seeing an, an ask from clients and leaders to have that pulled through their leadership training. But where we're also seeing a struggle in that is like, how far do I lean into this when you still have the work objectives and the success of the organization that that needs to get done? So we've been doing great work with, you know, developing trust behaviors and leaders, how do situational leaders develop trust? A lot of that comes, again, from giving people what they need so they can feel successful. Um, but how do we find this balance between success and engagement, which does take empathy, it takes knowing people's story, it takes diagnosing the full situation to see like what's impacting the work. Um, but how do we work together to say, I care about these things, I want to support you in these things, I want to have this trusting relationship, but we also have these performance elements at work that, that can't be ignored, certainly. One of the things I saw that um, the Center for Leadership Studies is is talking about lately is is leadership and happiness, and that they're interconnected, um, and that situational leaderships create happiness. And what you just mentioned, look, we got to get the work done, though. Um, so you know, you got bosses kind of going, you know, hey, I'm not here to make them happy, <laughs> and and you got a lot of people who say. That's exactly right. My boss does not make me happy at all. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So so walk us through this idea of how leaders can maybe deliver a little bit more happiness. Yeah. So maybe I'll, I'll kind of start with our thoughts on like how, like you were saying, like leaders make people unhappy. And I think, you know, we've all felt this frustration of there's no worse feeling than working for a boss or a leader that underleads you for a task. You've never done it before. You want to succeed. You want to deliver. Um, but they completely abandon you. And you're left with like, what do I do? Where do I go? Like I I don't really understand the expectations and now I feel like I'm failing. And there's no worse feeling when you do care and you want to do well and you want to be a part of an organization that you feel like you can't get the work done because you're not getting the direction that you need. And on the flip side, it's also equally frustrating when you do know what you're doing and you're successful and you've done it for a long time and a leader is so in the details and is micromanaging you and is telling you every little thing and you're like, I've got this. Um, so that's kind of what brings unhappiness in the workplace and the frustration 
So again, what we feel like brings happiness is this situational leadership approach of this balance of when is it enough direction? When is it enough support or relationship? If we can create this common language of performance, again, through situational leadership of identifying the task, um, talking about the behaviors that you've seen from the follower, giving them the opportunity to say, yes, that diagnosis is accurate, or I have a bit of a different take, um, and you all talking about those behaviors together, I think that really brings happiness into the workplace because you now have this this tool, this framework to talk about performance and expectations in both sides. It's not just the leader using situational leadership. Both sides can say, here's the situation, here's what we think is going on and can progress together. Um, I also think that just shows people you care, um, that you would go to that depth to say, I'm not just going to give you this diagnosis. I'm not just going to act this way. Here's what I'm observing. You have an opportunity to respond. Here's what you need. Is that accurate? I think that shows people that you care and that brings happiness. That's what, that's what people want. They want to feel valued. They want to feel heard and they want to feel like you just, you're paying attention. Um, so I do find that this, you know, situational leadership approach does bring happiness. You know, it is so interesting that it comes back to communication and caring in a lot of instances, isn't it? My voice is heard. I matter, you know, and uh, my boss is paying attention. You know, um, this model has obviously lasted and been effective for 50 years. So how, how do you adjust the model to leaders that are dealing with these multi-generational workplaces? What, what are you telling leaders and our listeners about working with younger generations in particular in the workplace where we're seeing, you know, they're demanding a lot more transparency and and they want to talk about mental health along with other issues. So as a leadership expert, help us with that. Yeah, so it's, I wish I had like, here's some like secret sauce to like the younger generation. <laughs> Here are the three things you should do. Yeah, give us those, right? Um. I really do kind of at the end of the day, I don't like categorize each generation in a different way. Like make sure like with the up and coming, like Gen Z that like you do this or the boomer generation. I think if you looked across all of the generations, people do just want to feel valued and heard. And that's not specific to a particular generation. Um, So I, I really don't find like, you know, what do you do to the younger generations or the older? Like, I think, you know, boomers would be equally frustrated. Like, hey, I've been here for a while. Like, why are you discounting what I say? Like, I'm not out of touch. And it's really the same thing that this like newer generation coming to the workplace is saying, like, yes, I don't have a ton of work experience, but I have thoughts on that or I feel like I can add value. Um, So to me, it's really like the same across the board versus, you know, specific advice to one generation. This, you know, just so our listeners know and, and everybody knows who's listening, uh, Susie has an interesting background. You're related to, uh, to the founder of this philosophy. Is that right? Yes. Um, so Dr. Paul Hersey was my, my grandpa. 
That's, that's awesome. great. That's awesome. Yeah, I love, that. yeah, love that, that you're so uh, keeping it in the family. Um, mm. Look, you, you know, she's got a busy life. You got you just told us you got a one year old, a four year old at home. Um, Susie, you know, if you don't mind me mentioning, Susie's husband was played in the NFL for uh, a few years. So, you know, that's pretty fun. But that's a stressful, you know, life as you know, he's gone and doing what he does. So um, tell us a little bit, how can learn people learn more about you, Susie, and, and the work that, that, that you do at uh, Center for Leadership Studies? Yeah, so I do do most things like through the organization, like being on the product side, I'm just starting to kind of do activities like this. So you're going to see me mostly on the Center for Leadership Studies page on LinkedIn. Um, so we have a great newsletter on there called It's Situational, um, which, again, just catchy title for just our approach in general. And then our website is situational.com. That's awesome. Um, so we've been talking big picture ideas on leadership. So can you give us an example of, of this in action? So maybe a leader that you've seen who really gets to know their people, whether it's somebody you've worked with or you've, you've seen and the issues they're facing, especially Chester and I, we're, we're especially interested in the supporting and coaching parts of, of, of the model. So anybody come to mind for you? Yeah, I I wish I could pull up just a few client stories because that's what's so impactful for me. Um, a model like this can go across every industry, every sector. Um, it's not specific to you know any one group, which I think is a part of the beauty of it. But if I had to think of someone in particular, um, Chris McLean is our global master trainer at, at the Center for Leadership Studies. He has a lot of experience. Um, he worked in a franchise model for a fast food restaurant for several years before he was at the Center for Leadership Studies. It's one thing to train our model, um, you know, to to be the person up in front of the the classroom, but to actually live it. And he is so wonderful at the balance of it. And I think that's the hard thing to put into practice. Learning the steps of situational leadership is easy. There's there's four steps, and you kind of you know you can adapt as you go. But to be able to in the real work setting care about people, listen to them, have those high, like empathetic behaviors, but know you have to get the work done. Um, he's someone that will, he will listen, um, but he, he's easy on the people, hard on the process, uh, which I think we've, you know, heard that before. It's like the work here still needs to be done. We still have the success metrics and he not only has been able to teach the model for years, but he's been able to get to know his people, his people love him. Um, but he's still, he's hard on the work and the things have to get done. Um, so he has found the way to use those behaviors properly. That's a, such a great way to put it. I, I, I'd heard that expression before, just not recently. Easy on the people, hard on the process. You know, um, Susie, we're always interested in how people manage their emotions and anxiety and, and workplace um, Know, just balance their workload and so on and so on. So tell us, what, what are some of the things that you do personally to stay, you know, mentally healthy and, and manage your anxiety and stress? Because you've got a lot. Yeah. I know. I'm the new mom of two. I need you guys to tell me. Yeah, exactly. That's the <laughs> first thing that came know. to mind is, how old are your kids? That's stressful. <laughs> I don't even remember those years Yeah, when they were that young. Good for you that you're here and, and cogent. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, I have I have two pieces of advice, and it was given to me. I work with an executive coach, Joe Diab, and one of the things that he tries to help me with to keep things in balance is like Susie, acknowledge the chaos going on around you, but like for a moment, kind of be still. And when you're still, kind of like identify your truths, like what can remain solid in your life, like what can you count on? And kind of, it starts to like minimize the chaos around me. And it's like, yeah, I have my health, I have my beautiful family, I have, you know, my work that I'm passionate about, like concentrate on those things. And it kind of helps the chaos around me seem, you know, diminished. And then we always too just like work on the, what are the basics? Like if you're sleeping well, if you're eating well, if you're moving your body and you're hydrating, like you're already so much farther ahead. Like when you feel good, the people around you are going to feel good. You'll be able to like present your best self. Um, and then I guess the third is like find someone like that in your life who, who you can talk to. Um, it doesn't have to be an executive coach, but someone who just kind of just like calms you down, like find your person in your life that can help you put things into perspective. That's awesome. great advice. Great advice. Yeah. Thank you. It is. Well, Susan, it's been great a conversation here. We've learned a lot from you. What now? You've studied leadership now, as you've worked with the 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 model for for several years. What couple of big takeaways would you like our listeners to leave with today? If they're leading people, or if they're they're leaders to come, uh, you know, if you had the elevator ride down to say this is what you need to know, what what would it be? Yeah, I think I would tell people like. Try to find the balance, whether it's in your leadership style and you really are like, you know, should I go really high on relationship into empathy behaviors, but then like, what does that do around like the task and success? Try to find like this middle ground of like what's appropriate. And then I think it's also like the balance in your life, like we were just talking about, like what are some of your like solid truths, like things you can depend on? But also like when that balance like gets out of whack, like, you know, don't become overly concerned. Just like try to find your way back to like where you can feel more comfortable because it is going to swing both ways. Um, but just kind of give yourself a second to like get back to the balance, like give yourself some grace. Yeah, I love that expression. Give yourself a little grace. Yeah. Nobody's harder on you than you. Yes. Right. And uh, yes. Listen, uh, Susie, what a delight to have you on the show. Your energy and your knowledge and your commitment, your passion uh, for the work you do is really evident. Um, Just a delight you have in the podcast. We we wish you well. If there's anything we can do to help, don't hesitate to give us a call. We love working with wonderful people, and that's clearly you. Thank you. Thanks, Susie. Thank you. This has been wonderful. Adrian, just such a passionate, uh, you know, leader, a, a student of leadership, Center for Leadership Studies. I'm really interested. What were some of the key takeaways from the conversation for you? Well, you know, it's it's funny. You know, it's 50 years ago. You think we'd all get this by now that leadership <laughs> is situational. You know, I can't manage you the same way that I would manage, you know, Susie or or Bob or whoever. But we tend to do that, right? My leadership style is this. This is how I lead people. 
Well, I might not need that, especially uh, as we get into people who may have anxiety, etc. That, you know, it's like she said, giving people what they need, knowing their stories so you know exactly how to manage somebody. Somebody may need a little bit more leeway, but they're going to do great work for you if you are more understanding or more kind, whatever you need to do. Yeah, I'll tell you my biggest takeaway was the generational difference. She said, I don't think that that really matters as long as people's voices are heard. Yeah. They feel valued and you know what their style is and you know how to manage them. I think we do. We get caught up as, oh, you're a millennial or, oh, you're Gen <laughs> X. And uh, we, we come in with these preconceived notions. If you do your homework, you know, and you know the style, uh, it'll still work. And the other one for me uh, was easy on the people, hard on the process. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. was great. I'm going to be easy with you understanding we got to get the work done, right? Yeah. And I love, you know, people always call you easy on the eyes, but that's a little different. <laughs> that's, that's very different. Yeah. Um, and I love this idea of happiness and work, which they've done some studies on at the Center for Leadership Studies. So they say, look, you know, what's the, what can make somebody unhappy? Well, leaders that abandon you, we've all had that, right. or leaders who micromanage you. Um, you want to bring manage. It's this balance you have to create, showing you care, but you have to give people a little leeway, a little runway, uh, give them a voice. That's a balance, right? You'll never get it perfect, but you gotta you gotta work at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think um, when we talked about empathy, I think she made a great point. She said, "I don't think we talk so much about empathy as we talk about building trust." And if you can build trust and, and exemplify trusting behaviors, uh, the empathy is, is a byproduct of that. And I thought that was, that was a great bit of advice. Yeah, trust is such an interesting concept because, you know, trust is built. And we tend to feel like trust is built because I know the most. That's why I'm the boss, right? <laughs> Just trust me. Exactly. Yeah. Trust me. Yeah, and it really is. It's, look, I'm the executive vice director of really important projects here at uh, XYZ Company. And I've been around 20 years. Da, 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 da. That's not what trust is built on. And as she talks about, trust is built on, do you care about me as an employee? Do you listen to? Me? Do you give me a voice? Do you have a vision? Do you have compassion? That's what trust is built on. Um, one of the least um, important elements is your knowledge. Um, yeah, I want you to know what you're doing, but really, I want you to bring out the best in me. And that's that's really what comes down to with great leadership and situational leadership is are yeah. you bringing out the best in those around you? Yeah, uh, a couple last things for me was her personal practices. I like that her coach said, um, take a minute, step away from the chaos, and be still. You know, that is so hard to do for somebody because you, you got, especially with her with little kids, right? There's always, there's a nose to wipe, there's somebody to feed, you know, and, and take that moment to be still and then get back to the basics. She said, sleep, move, mm -hmm. hydrate. <laughs> you well, know, I love what she sleep, said move, too. Hydrate. Just yeah, to be still and to acknowledge what are my truths. Yep. Uh, what is it that you can count on out there? And uh, whether it's your family, whether it's your faith, wh whether it's your own abilities, whatever it is, you know, what, where, what is the center that we should all find to find that balance in our lives? So, yeah, some great, some great examples today from Susie Bishop of the Center for Leadership Studies. We want to thank her for being on the show. Um, a big thanks to our producer, Brent Klein, to Christy Lawrence, who helps us find amazing guests, and to all of you who listened in. Yeah, and if you like the podcast, please share it. We'd love to have you visit our website, thecultureworks.com, for some free resources to help you and your team 
develop a culture that thrives. And of course, Adrian, do we love speaking to audiences around the world in person or virtually? Do we, we do, we do, yes. On culture, teamwork, resilience, we, we get asked to speak on lots of different topics. Give us a shout and we'd love to help you and make your event world class. So, and, and by the way, don't forget, buy the book. It's oh, a great yeah. book. It's Anxiety on audio. It's on, it's digital. Anxiety at work. It's it's a, it's a must read. And we say that kind of laughingly. It really is. If you if you want to develop a great culture, you've got to know how to manage uh, mental health and anxiety in the workplace. I couldn't recommend it more highly. Exactly. I, I, I rated it five stars on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful. Thanks, everybody, for joining us today. Until next time, we wish you the best of mental health.